To another MGO blog roundtable on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTKA. I am still in LA an extra day doing some CBS yesterday on my way to Houston. Tomorrow, the, the background looks different because I'm in a different hotel today. Uh, as I'm hitting the airport right after this, I want to be closer to it. We got Seth who made it back home. We got Craig who made it back home. Ira who's obviously back home as well. And another edition of the MGO blog roundtable. Fellas, good morning. How are you? I'm fine. I have a question, Sam. Are you abandoning us? I mean, you're going to be on national CBS. I think you're going to be on national ESPN. You're going to be on, you know, maybe you'll be on with Feinbaum again. I mean, uh, what's the deal here? You've got, is this, is this, are you on your way to the, to a national gig? No, 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 no. We know where the bread is buttered. Look, yeah, I'm Michigan through and through. If, if they, if they, if they were on a whole Michigan kick, you know that. But I think I'm a little too Michigan for the national folks, man. You know, they 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 tend to not like you like you to be, you know, uh, kind of aligned with with one team like that. Well, you know, we'll we'll, we'll guess we'll be guests on it. I have no problem with that. Seth, good morning. How are you? I, I'm famous too now, apparently. I uh, I heard from everybody that I was uh, this ugly mug was put on television a few times because we had some really nice seats, and man, is that an experience! If uh, if you've never been to a Rose Bowl, you you got to go to the next one. That's that's Craig, what I'm so, telling everybody. So Craig, we can if you can hear us, we can hear you, but your your speaker must have changed. So maybe go out of the room and come back in, and we can get recalibrated with you right there but we're hearing you just fine if you can hear us but but Seth the experience out at the Rose Bowl man uh, I know you were out there uh, and it was I mean there's so many Michigan fans it was like a big Michigan family reunion that's what it felt like to me yeah man there's so many people like everyone there were like best friends with each other like you turn around to the guy sitting behind you, and it's like they're everyone's just having such a good time. Even like with the game as tense as it was, everyone there is just so happy to be there that it's like you, you can't not be like awesome to each other. And it was, I, I mean, this is kind of why we go to sporting events. Like that, that place is so beautiful mm-hmm. uh, with you know, the mountains behind it and the, um, that perfect bull shape. I mean, it, it is, and you know, there's a little bit of argument whether you need a bigger scoreboard so you can actually see what the replay was, or whether you just are happy to live without like this big screen in front of you that they can do anything with. But they don't pump any music between anything, so like you can actually hear the fans, and then then those spaces uh, that you don't have like something blaring at you or have like some sort of thing on the jumbotron. They like the fans yell at each other, come up with fun things. Or Zach Marshall standing in the front and like getting us all hyped up and getting us all excited. And like that interaction is what built the game. That's that's why people started going to this thing in the first place. It was incredible. Yeah, Craig, get let us get a test real quick on live radio. See if we can hear you. Can you hear us, Craig? If you can hear us, shake your head. You know, sounds like Craig is having technical difficulty. So. Your take on the actual game itself, though, Seth, what about that is, you know, the the (laughs) performance? Yeah, man. Um, I think that Michigan's offensive line played better than they realized they could. 
that like when you look at that that what what were the surprises in this game for everybody is that Trente Jones was just fine out there. And Ladarius Henderson, I think, you know, he had some trouble because he had Dallas Turner, but he was uh, you know, he was getting pushed back and then he would set a spot and they actually gave JJ time to throw out there. Now JJ didn't always know he had the time to throw, and sometimes then he got a little sped up. Uh but I mean that when they needed to go for uh fourth and one, boom, shoved them right out of the way. And you know, there's there's been a question all year. Our Big Ten offense is just bad, or our Big Ten defense is just good. And this was a little more evidence that the Big Ten defenses were on a higher level than these Alabamas. <laughs> Their past defense, incredible. Those that secondary was still incredible, but Michigan was able to move them in the middle. And when you can do that, everything else comes out of that. Yeah, man. It was, you know, you talk about the the performance up front. Um, it was it was unbelievable to see uh, Alabama dominated so thoroughly uh, in the trenches. They were taken out of their game plan offensively, where it completely shifted. I mean, it, it seemed like every five or six man protection that they came out with in the first half, mentor was bringing someone free. Where yeah. there was where there's a sack or a pressure to the point where I don't know how many five or six man protections they they ran in the second half. But I was like, like I said with Steve, I bet you can count them on one hand. A lot of Mac protect and a lot of running the football, which is not what Alabama wants to do. Yeah, they they could not throw the ball downfield at all, at all. They got one throw down there, and then um, you know, and Rod Moore knocked it out of the way. They had another one that uh, you know, was targeted Will Johnson. I think they didn't throw at him all again all game. They they and it wasn't like hard stuff. Now it was mostly on that uh, left side of their line where they have a true freshman offensive tackle, and I think they have a true sophomore playing uh, at guard. Both guys that Michigan recruited, but both guys who would not be starting yet at Michigan. And then that center, oh, my God. I, I think I, I think the morning news was yesterday is that they cut him already. So he, he, no, sorry, he entered the portal. But, uh, man, that guy was getting beat. But Saban's so smart. He uses the fact that his guys are getting beat against you. You know, like you, you people wonder like what makes a great in-game coach, and Saban's a great coach. Period. I, I got to give that guy credit for all every the whole way he runs his program, except for he's a little cheap at his uh his opponent's expense afterwards. But man, he had this play. It's like a an, an ISO play where they just use the fullback as the second guy doubling Grant, and that was that first touchdown they had. It was. You know, Grant thinks I'm owning the center, so I can take an extra little bit of time to, to two-gap him and just really just take away everything this guy has to give. And so he's on the wrong side of the center. He's flipping sides like everyone knew he could. And all of a sudden, that fullback pops him, and that opens up that gap. And you know, now you got Mikey Samer still in a lot of space with a running back. And Samer still could have played that much better. But, you know, that – I know, man. Samer knows how to do that. <laughs> Yeah, Mikey was going to cover the half field. Then you got to stop and and break down and tackle a running back in open field with a hole the size of freaking New yeah. Jersey. Yeah, uh, that was that was a pretty tough call for Mikey looking back at it on film. I thought the same thing, same thing watching it live, watching it back on film. They just got him. Uh, you had yeah. some, you know, we won't get into specifics, but you had someone not really uh, getting to their gap, and it created a titanic size hole. But you know. I won't disagree with you. Nick Saban is maybe the greatest coach of all time. But in this game, in this game, I don't think we saw him be a great coach. I think well, we saw him get, get destroyed coaching-wise because they could not figure out a way. Like, you know, it'd be different if they made an adjustment that they could sustain for the entire game. It took them until the half to make meaningful adjustments. Compare and contrast that with Sharon against Penn State. They knew in two series, in two series, the game plan that we came with is not going to work. We got to figure out something else right now that we're going to be able to do the rest of the game. And he figured it out, something that they could sustain that will make them effective from that point through the rest of the game, right? Without your head coach, we yeah. were right. I mean, yeah. you, your quarterback. I, I, I don't know if they were because one of the problems they had after they saw that they couldn't pass protect at all was snapping the ball. And then they, and then they got to the half. So and then they did actually move the ball at the uh, on the last drive of the half there. Yeah, so, they did. And, and so, yeah. but my point is, it took them until halftime to figure it out, yeah. right? 
you compare and contrast with that with Sharon Moore, who makes a battlefield decision after two series, he figured it out, right? Yeah. So then yeah. the, the microcosm of the game, and I just went over this with, with Steve Clark, was the last freaking play. The last freaking mm -hmm. play. Yeah, you had everyone's talking about the snap, and the snap was definitely a factor in that. But even if the snap is perfect, Michigan's got him. They got him. I, I, watching it live, I thought, yeah. oh, man. Rod Moore's I, got him. Yeah, yeah. Rod Moore comes inside of that block because he's got to follow his polar there. And Rod Moore's inside. Now, he ends up not being not mattering, right? Because, like, the guy runs into his and everyone collapses. But if you look at the side of the play where that was going, Rod Moore already has it won. He's well, already see, inside of that. So you got you – got, they, they run quarterback power with the run control. So they got a bubble yeah. to the field, okay? Right. They're blitzing Mikey off the edge. Mm -hmm. When the guard comes around, he can block Mikey, but if he does, the linebacker's free. Yeah. The linebacker's free to make a tackle in the hole. If he blocks the linebacker, now Mikey's free. They, I don't know how, over the course of the entire game, you don't figure, if you're Nick Saban, there's some edge pressure coming. Well, you could say, okay, but he has a bubble to the field. <laughs> Michigan covers down on the play. Michigan covers down on the play. So Alabama has two to cover three, two, or two to block three. Mm -hmm. I mean, Michigan has a man that's going to be free on the bubble. They have a man that's going to be free on the ball carrier. And that that's not counting the fact that you get on the backside, the, the tackle getting bum rushed into the quarterback. So you got the schematic advantage and the physical advantage on one play. You got them. So we, we're talking about the snap and the center deserves some, some blame. But if I'm the center, I'm like, Hey man, it's not just my fault. Like coach, Oh, look at the play. You what they say and what they know are two different things entirely. They know, and they know that that Milrow didn't follow his guard in the first place. And also, I mean, Saber still did kind of go high. So there's a way that like maybe they come down maybe. inside that. Yeah, yeah, because he, I think he's taking an angle to try to like try to knock down the the throat of the running back because that's what you think you're doing. Michigan was blitzing him all all game. That was their game plan, right? It was the. Um, Kalik Hudson versus Minnesota in 2017 game plan. We're just, we are going to be adding this pressure from the other side, and you got to figure out where the other gap is. And that left tackle and that left guard could not figure out where Michigan was adding the extra guy. And then, you know, right at the end, Milrow just panics. Michigan was messing around with his eyes so much downfield and in front of him whenever, because they go to a running back, uh, you know, they put the game on him. I think he's a little too young. For the game to be entirely on him, you know, you saw the fumble too. That was one of the biggest plays of the game, but that was coming all game. He was carrying that thing like a loaf of bread, and he was not looking downfield for the next guy. He was always focused on the one guy in front of him. And I mean, that's not—you're not you shouldn't expect him to do more than that, especially because like there's an entire passing game that you're not seeing that he, that's already been taken away. But Alabama needed that guy to be Vince Young, and he wasn't. And that was the game. Yeah, man, that's, it was great. Oh, we got Craig Ross back. Damn, back. I'm sorry. I, I missed a lot. I don't know what happened. Um, on, on the particular play, I, I may be a slight minority view. Uh, I, I felt that the snap put them about a quarter of a beat behind, but it didn't matter when Josiah Stewart blew up their right tackle. I mean, uh, you may have mentioned this, but he weighs about 120 pounds less. He blew him up, pushed him into the backfield, and knocked him in, into Milrow. So mm -hmm. now Milrow feels like he's got no place to go but right ahead. I know that uh, some people, including Brian, perhaps felt that Mikey had come too far upfield. I don't think that. I yeah. think he, if you I watched that play in slow motion many times, and and the, there was an all 22 that was available, you know, uh, nationally, which was nice, uh, which I watched last night. Very, and the, very nice for me, by the way. <laughs> I know. I believe it. And uh, and and you can see that that Mikey breaks down to control to control that that gap. He has that play controlled to the outside, and uh, and and the play was then completely blown up by Josiah Stewart, who knocked Latham back in into Milrow. Milrow lost his balance, had no place to go, and then Derek Moore had 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 crashed down and cleaned up the middle. Uh, yeah. So I think I think I agree with you, Craig. I agree that that Mikey was not out of position. Yeah. Uh, I think that on that side they had problems. You know, if you know, it, Mikey is coming free. The Milro did a better job of anticipating edge pressure than the coaching staff did. Like, how mm -hmm. do you have a call 
that doesn't have him coming or them coming off the edge on that on that play. I, I have no idea, but that's seemingly what was the case. And I don't think I think that the the snap on the snap Milrow knew, okay, he I gotta reach down for this. I gotta go right now because pressure's coming. Like I, I don't think it was him reacting off the right side. I think he knew if I don't do something right now, this play is blown up because everything that we do that takes some time, they're on me. And I know Michigan is coming in the situation. So I don't I don't even blame him. You know, you can blame the snap some, you can blame the right tackle some. I think Milrow is the least guilty in this. Hundred percent agree. Incidentally, post game, I'm standing there waiting for my my brother and his son uh, out outside of the Rose Bowl, and a Bama fan comes up to me and starts yelling at me. And uh, and what is he yelling at me about? The incompetence of the Alabama center. Like somehow it's my fault. I would that- be yelling too. <laughs> <laughs> I I would be looking at every. I would find the guy that put that because. How does Nick Saban, with all the money that goes into that team, and oh, a lot of money goes into that team. Not just they—they they even pay the players on that team. But I mean, just the scouting and the, the the coaching and everybody who's involved in that program. And this guy, it, that was in the scouting report. It's not like that he just showed up and and you know it wasn't like the Tigers go to the 2006 World Series and suddenly can't throw the ball from the pitching mound pitchers mound to first base, right? This is, I this guy was like doing this all year. That's why they were in what was it fourth and twenty nine against Auburn, yeah. At the on the last player fourth and thirty one, like because the play before that was a bad snap. And mm-hmm. how do you get all the way to the end of the season if you're Alabama and and you have not fixed that problem? It's like I remember Michigan in two thousand eleven. They go to the Sugar Bowl. David Mulk gets hurt. They go out there and they have uh you know their their second guy. I don't want to throw him under the bus right now, but they have the second another guy take a couple snaps he can't get the snap right Mulk plays the rest of the game on one foot because that's how important getting the snap is yeah man look the, the people have it jl in the in the streams that the rpo was covered too or the bubble was covered too yeah, I tried to continue. that's exactly right michigan had three on two on the bubble there's a man free on the bubble there's a man free on the power this is saving can say whatever he wants watch the tape you you can have a you can people you don't have to know football to count. What you, you what's Saban saying? What's Saban saying? I I didn't know there was any. They were in the, the perfect play. play. They're, and they, they're saying they were in the perfect play. Well, they, good, good for them. I mean, in in terms of of Saban's coaching, I mean, if you have a center or no center on the roster who can make the snap back out of the shotgun, it's not that hard to resolve from a systemic point of view. You know, you can put the quarterback under center. Now, if, if you have a football team at this level that can neither snap the ball back on the shotgun or get the ball under center to the quarterback, well, there's something wrong. And well, Sam, yeah, Sam and I were talking earlier before you could get back on um, yeah. about how Alabama had to change the game plan. And the thing they had to change it to, the thing that they had to put the game on was Milrow. They said, okay, this guy, we're going to use his legs. If you're going to use the quarterback's legs, you cannot have the quarterback turn his back, and that's why they couldn't go under center. Alabama does go under center. They're, almost every team goes under center. I wrote about that this week okay. because that's how you get explosives. Um, they could not go under center because Milrow was the offense. So then they were forced into using into, into putting themselves in a position where this guy had to matter every play. He had to make a shotgun or a pistol uh, snap, and it's really the same distance, every single play. and. I mean that Michigan was just the better team, and that when you're the better team, other things break on the other side because they are they they got to fix this and they got to fix that, and eventually it's just too many leaks and the thing sinks. And I think Saban, what he's saying, what he's telling you when he says this stuff, Saban is not used to coaching against a better team. This time Saban ran into a team that was better than his, and he had to make adjustments and he had to. His coaching had to make up for the difference that his players were not as good as the guys across from them, and he doesn't know how to do that. Yeah, I don't think his staff is as good as as it has been. I think that yeah. was a another big factor in this game. I, I just I can't figure out why he hired Tommy Reese. Can't figure it out. <laughs> doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> this no sense. And this just kind of confirms, like, okay, 
exactly what we thought he was in Notre Dame. That's what he is, and we're seeing it now. You think Alabama. Tommy Reese dropped the ball, Sam? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Look, man, I, I I try to not put Al and Vance in the position to talk about other coaches like that. So I say what I know they're thinking, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, man, mm-hmm. I didn't get it. He wasn't that good at Notre Dame. So I was shocked when Saban tapped him on the shoulder. And I think this was one of those instances where, man, you look at the other side, Michigan, not enough nationally. I've seen, I've seen some people say it, but I know I said it immediately in the postgame. Nick Saban and staff got circles coached around them in that game. So as we look ahead to Washington, now it won't be as much of a disparity. News flag, a lot of people, oh, my God. Yeah, Kalen DeBoer's staff will mm-hmm. not get coached as badly as Nick Saban's staff. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed you. It's well, just, you, you know, yeah. Saban has no real history of being a great coach on a level playing field. His two his two years in the NFL, he was below 500. Uh, and, you know, what, what Saban has done is recruited at a super high level. And, and and he's managed to to beat teams because he just has better players. He, uh, he's got a he's got a great defensive system, and yeah, he teaches and it very well. And to break that system, you need to like have all hands on board. And Al Borges just mentioned on your show, Sam, that I think uh, in the first half, twenty nine out of thirty plays that Michigan ran in the first half, they had motion. And then after the snap, there was more motion. And there was motion going this way. And there was motion going that way. And every time you motion, because Saban's system is what makes that part of what makes that defense so good. Uh-huh. Every time you motion, you got to switch who you're on. Well, Michigan's throwing guys right and left and back and forth. And and they screw up. You, eventually, someone's not going to get the in call. And that was the, you know, sometimes Michigan got two wide open plays to, to Blake Corm. And those were schemed up. That was where you're – so, Sam, I don't want to say that Saban was a bad coach. I think Saban was a very good coach. I think Saban ran into a buzzsaw here. He ran into one of the, one of the best coaching uh, games of all time. And See, what are you going to do? <laughs> so, I, I agree with you, Craig. You just said Michigan is the better team. I, let, let's stipulate that. All the mistakes Michigan made, and they still won the game. But what you just said, Craig, highlights to me the point. Michigan went back and watched the film like Borges did. Like Al went back and watched every game. Vance went back and watched like six games during six or seven games during the season. And so we had scouting reports that made by coordinators. And Al said, look, the thing that you notice on film is motion and shifts screwed And He say screw. He said, but screws these guys up. Why? Because they have such a sophisticated scheme. But they're trying to match so much in their in their coverage, but they don't want to concede anything uh, in their in their zone coverages. You shift around like you just said, uh, Seth. You create great matchups. And so when Tyler Morris is coming uh, coming on across on that crosser, he's mm-hmm. got a linebacker on him that yeah. he, he outraises to the end zone because all the motion is shifting pre snap. Michigan was able to find that. In their scouting report, you heard Sharon kind of alluded to it in the press conference. He said, you know, you got to find things on film that can confuse them. Like a lot of these press conferences are throwaway. This one wasn't where he said, you got to find things on film that confuse them. And if you can't find anything on film that can confuse them, you got to try to think things up. Well, happen to be some things on film that confuse them. You couldn't in all that month of scouting, you couldn't find some things. Tommy Reese and Nick Saban that created opportunities for your team out the gate the way that Michigan did, right? And, and everyone was talking about this vaunted pressure for Alabama, this great this great secondary for Alabama. People were talking about Alabama's defense. Like it was going to be, oh, so tough for Michigan to find some openings. You couldn't do that with your offense against Michigan's defense? I, I That, to me, is the point. Michigan staff was able to do that. Alabama staff was not. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. interesting and, sorry, go ahead, Greg. Uh, it's interesting to me uh, from sort of a macro or big picture view going into this game, all the national media, I mean, almost, I mean, with almost no exception, uh, I guess uh, maybe uh, Cowherd uh, was picking Alabama and they were picking Alabama because uh, hey, Alabama, Nick Saban, greatest coach of all time, uh, 
uh, Bama has more five stars than the entire Big Ten, which I think is true, and uh, let alone Michigan, who has one. Uh, and and so they, they looked at talent disparity, and they're all mystified by the line. They're all mystified by the line. And, in fact, the, the public money all came in on Alabama. Vegas doesn't move the line, sits at two and a half. And meanwhile, all the stats guys are on Michigan, uh, from Connolly, uh, you know, to Ed Feng. They all have, they all show Michigan as, as, as the better team. So I found it very interesting. And post game, there's been a lot of sort of gnashing of teeth from the, from the same people uh, saying, hey, I don't get it. Michigan was actually the better team. The stats guys were actually right. Uh, and and our sort of eyeball view was wrong. And Joel Klatt said as much, who picked Alabama pregame. Uh, so you asked the question, why am I doing these national shows? Why fine bomb? Yeah, I'm sorry. I missed that. I mean, I said yes, pregame. Why ESPN pregame? Because it's clear the people they were talking to hadn't really watched Michigan. Right. They hadn't exactly. really watched Michigan. And if you watch us, like we watch every Michigan, just like you guys do. We watch every Michigan game multiple times and we do it with coaches checking. And it's not just, you know, people sitting and watching the highlights, you know, doing drop-ins, you know, don't really see big 10 football. You get, you get caught up in the reputation of these teams. You get caught up in the sec aspect of it as well. And don't really see the vulnerabilities that they have being Alabama. And then, some of the mitigating circumstances that Michigan faced. You know, Michigan was, all teams are banged up. Michigan was more banged up than most. And so that, to me, had more to do with the downturn in performance than anything. And you give them a I month. I mean, special month. teams was probably the more to do with the downturn in performance. Michigan wins that game. I'm talking, I'm talking about late in the season, not in the, in the oh, Rose Bowl. Oh, yeah. Oh, late yeah, season, yeah. Injury had more to do with it in the, in the Rose Bowl, of course. Like you said, special teams. Ugh. They, they're bound to have a better game, right? <laughs> in the row. In yeah, the yeah. I mean, we had trouble with the snap a couple times too. In fact, I think the um the missed field goal, there was uh, a rough snap. Now he got the ball down, but it kind of pushes a hit. Uh, you know, p- puts a little hitch in his kick, and I think that's why he uh, he missed that one. So when they went to go kick the um the extra point to tie it at the end, I was like, uh, <laughs> I was nervous for that, but they just did it. Right. And, you know, there's the the almost mishap at the end. And like, there's your there's your storyline right there, because, you know, Jake Thaw's in there because Samaj Morgan muffed the punt. And I think, you know, Samaj is going to do that. I think it was it was the right decision to try to field that play and whatever. There, you, there's some sun in the vault involved. I would like to know why Michigan chose the side with the sun uh, in the when they when Alabama deferred. Michigan's like, we want to go this way and they had the sun going in their eyes well i think the reason for that was that that's where more of the michigan fans were uh that uh, and and so Mm -hmm. you're going to have more noise at that end of the field than than you were the other noise so although i didn't think that yeah michigan Michigan kind of own the own both end zones we actually we did a rose bowl tour afterwards and the rose bowl guys mentioned to us that um alabama did not sell out their or they didn't buy their entire uh Wow. Yeah. So I mean, not I didn't mean to not sell out. They didn't take their entire allotment. allotment. Now nobody takes. Not what teams always do is they take their allotment and then they put them on on uh, you know online and they they use the secondary market to make more money. They it, but, but Alabama could have had more tickets and they didn't think they could move as many as Michigan. And Michigan, every single ticket that was available, Michigan side bought up. So Michigan works with on location. They're the ones who were the ones who, you know, every single ticket that was available, a Michigan broker was snatching up and making sure it was going to places where Michigan fans were. And I think Michigan fans pretty much own both end zones. Yeah. Now, they, yeah. 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 I think you, you, uh, another microcosm of the game in Michigan. And someone said this in the stream, think about all the mistakes that Michigan made. Like, I mean, this is very close. If Michigan doesn't, you know, have a missed extra point, a missed field goal, two muff putts, mm-hmm. half of those mistakes, and yeah. Michigan wins this game comfortably. So I don't know, man. It, this was this to me 
was a better team with a better coaching staff and able to overcome those mistakes. And I, I actually think that the week the week between games is not a bad thing in this instance. Now, I think they got all the, you know, all the rust, uh-huh. all the rust just went away. It is as we hope, right? But I think that's the case that there's a lot of rust on display, and now we'll see the 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 the, the clean kind of football that we were accustomed to seeing during yeah, the season. You know, you know, one brief shout out to Brian. I wish he was here. Uh, is that he's been talking up Trente Jones all year. And I think Trente Jones has proven that he he can really play. Uh, and and the the other thing is that uh, he kept stressing, do not spy Milrow. Remember, he mm-hmm. and, do not spy. Oh, he, that was a main theme for him. We made it a victory lap on the podcast yesterday. After oh, that, you made that it was a victory so lap. Right. Well, yeah. Deservedly so. Man said the same thing. He said that was the that was the undoing of of Georgia. Right after the 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 Georgia uh, Alabama game, before it was clear that Michigan was going to play Bama, he was talking about it in the podcast. He said it was the worst thing that you could do was to sit back and let this guy get comfortable throwing the football. Come after him, never double spy him. He said, "I will I will only spy him sometime, not every time." And Michigan <laughs> philosophy uh, to to the bank. So, I, man, this this was this was not hard. This was not a hard thing. To, to really break down, which is why I'm so surprised Alabama, if our retired coaches <laughs> could come up with <laughs> on, our retired coaches came up with spot on game plans and your employed coaches can't, wow, can't account for them. That's amazing to me that that's the case. I, um, I don't think, I don't think that's too mystifying. I, you know, I, learn how to do this myself and I'm not that bright. So I, I think if you watch enough football or you watch a team enough times, you're going to see this stuff because I got on the elevator with an Alabama fan to go down like from at the hotel to go down to the game. And I say to him what Brian had said that like, Hey man, I hope we get after Milrow. Cause I think, you know, Georgia let you guys off the hook. And he goes, yeah, man, that's my, that's my biggest fear. So Alabama fans knew the same problem. They knew that they, they were just waiting and sometimes football, people. I think people have the wrong idea of football that it's just an X's and O's game, and like my coaches are going to go and beat your coaches, and the players are just pieces on the board. Football is the players, and Michigan had the better players, so Alabama has to do more coaching because the players are better on the other side. That and it, and they they got got because this was a problem they had all season. They just. They got away with it because coaches probably were, do, you know, were too afraid of Milrow. And Michigan said, "We're not going to be afraid of this guy. He's going to get us a few times, and he did get us a few times. But yeah, we're going to get after him." I guess I agree to a point. I think, generally speaking, it is the case that you know things are equal, and then it's going to come down to you having the guys who can make the special plays, like JJ jumping up with one hand. Bringing it down. Oh my God, Roman will and and Roman Wilson making that catch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Guys to to make catches like that, but but you know, as a coach, you have to be able to accentuate their their positives. Certainly, don't 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 add to don't don't be a disadvantage to them. And I think that Alabama staff did nothing to accentuate, and at least in the first half of that game. In the second half, they came up with an effective plan, man. Mm-hmm. You know, pass game, you're going to do a little max protect, but you want to know why guys aren't getting open air and sending that many guys out. That's number yeah. one. <laughs> and then, but then they found some things, you know, Michigan loves duo. Duo wound up being effective for for Alabama in the second half of this game. So they found some things, but it took you a half to do it. And you never, you never really figured out how to, how to stop Michigan's pressure to the point where it didn't impact you de- 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 decidedly. Yeah. Out in the stretch. It, the, the the final play of the game, pressure was a huge part of it, and they they just never figured out an answer. And to Trente Jones, I want to, you know, because we got to get to a break, and I wonder, did you guys watch the interview we did with Trente Jones? Did you watch it? I did not. I haven't I gotten that one yet. There's a you lot of content it. out there, Sam, and I haven't gotten a lot of sleep yet. <laughs> no, I don't I don't uh, promote a lot of things that, that we do, but watch the interview with Trente Jones. Yeah. Like, if, you, if you're touting Trente Jones and how well he played, and you know, you've been talking about him all season. Watch that interview, and you'll learn a lot more about him. 
you'll learn a lot more about why he's successful, how he was able to overcome adversity, right? Why he was so ready. He goes into, I asked the dude three questions. The first question I asked, mm -hmm. his answer was six minutes long. <laughs> I mean, it was oh, really? <laughs> my kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> but watch it, watch it. And you'll, you'll, as much as you appreciate Trente Jones now, you'll appreciate him even more after watching that interview. So cool. we got to get to a break, though. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk some Washington and get you guys' early take on Washington when we return here. Michigan Insider, MGLR Roundtable on Sports Talk 1050 WTK, the ticket. Did, did either of you guys see the, on the radio. article or opinion piece in the New York Times from a woman who is a journalism? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. She, that was fantastic. Wasn't that one of the best things ever, Seth? Her name is yeah. Jamie oh. Lowy or something like that. Jamie, it is so good. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't met piece? her before. I, I, she said she was going to the alumni tailgate and I was there and I was looking around for her, but I didn't know how to find her. Couldn't find her. I, okay. I wanted to go and thank her for writing that. That's exactly the same. That's the same stuff we've been on this whole time. That, yeah. It's true. I, yeah. I mean, and, and that's why the Rose Bowl is so incredible. And that's why Michigan Stadium is so incredible. It's just this big democratic bowl where your cell phone's not working. So you have to inter interact with each other yeah, as yeah. humans instead of, and after the pandemic and everything, like I, we needed that so bad. And that's well, sure. Yeah. If yeah. you get a chance to read that one, Sam, it's just phenomenal. And, yeah. and, and she, I think she's an older person. I mean, not super old, but I, she's not like a kid. I don't believe. Craig, you cannot call Craig, anybody call an, an older, older person. <laughs> well, you know, um, let me you guys hear this real quick. Okay. Let's start you first with talking about yeah. your journey you for every man, for every player. It's different. Everyone has their share of adversity. I want you to talk about yours because, man, you're a guy who, who's definitely bided your time, and now you had your time, but it took a lot to get here, man. What what has that been like for you? How did you push through? Um, okay, so this is the fourth line. I can just talk. Yeah. Right. So it all started in 2019, and then we were with Coach Warner. Uh, started off right. Um, and I'm balling. Maybe had a couple hiccups here and there, but at the end of the day, I'm starting to feel myself, especially towards that Iowa game last year. That was 2022, yep. And then I get hurt. And that was a rough turn. Like, even just now, my heart dropped because I'm like, anytime somebody gets near my leg, I'm like, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't no problems down right. there, man. That right. was bad, man. Um, got hurt came back and you know I was a big tight end. I was I was starting to feel myself a little bit more comfortable. It was still stiff but <laughs> I was still like feeling myself in like how I can like you know progress regardless of my injury like my mental more mental then come back this year by the way love my guys yeah these are my boys yeah Miles LD came in I'm like Let's grind. Let's see. Yeah. Right. So coming, I don't get it. very unfortunate for me specifically, but for the team, definitely better because wouldn't you rather have four great tackles than just two or just three? Back in 30. Obviously, I was like, man, I wanted to be that guy, but I took that role. I took that extra tight end role, and I was like, I'm about to be the best extra tight end this world has ever seen. Man, I came in. I was hyped. I was like, all right, bet. At the end of the day, I knew I was a starter. Yeah. I knew I was a starter type guy. If I come in at tight end, it's gonna be a problem. So I knew, I knew like if I come in at tight end, I just gotta go crazy. So I'm, I'm taking in that role, you know, maybe here or there. Hey Sam, we're coming a, back on the air start, here. Get a play. Yeah, Sam. Sam, coaches and players, man. That's back on radio know. in five, four, that, three. That, yeah, that's here on the here on the Michigan. Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTKA.com. We were watching uh, some of the interviews. It was really, really, you know, you go into media day and you're doing, you know, you. I had a plan. I'm going to spend like five minutes with a, a list of guys that I wanted to talk to in Trente. It's very high on a priority list. And it, you know, you got to make these battlefield decisions. And he was going into his, his journey at Michigan. He comes in, he's an All-American. He said, I had Coach Warner at first wasn't really good out the gate didn't really know what i was doing second year is COVID. you know it's a bad year for everyone 
2021, I'm starting kind of starting to understand uh, and get how things are going. 2022, he said, I feel like I'm that guy. Then I get hurt and my knee is is a problem, an issue. Offseason comes, they add some guys, they add some some transfers and he doesn't look at it like, okay, I got to go because they brought in some guys. He look at it like less can be. And then he lost it. And so you got a decision at that point. How are you going to be? And he said, I don't want to be a cancer for the team. He, you guys didn't hear this portion of it. I'm giving you the Cliff's notes version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a cancer for the team. If I'm going to be in this role of extra tight end, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to be, re- I'm going to be an unbelievable. I'm going to be the best six tight end this game has ever seen. Right, right. Man. And so that <laughs> attitude, that attitude is part of the, the, it's the embodiment of the culture of the team. But then when his card is called, right, and he has to go on the field in the Ohio State game and he gets into it, you know, you do, he said, you do start to question a little bit if you aren't playing and you get beat out. Am I that guy? Am I really that guy? And then he said, then you realize you get on the field versus Ohio State. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that I thought I was. I know I'm that guy. Now, now I can go out there and perform. So he said it against Iowa. He was like, okay, now I'm back in my bag. I'm one of the players of the game. So he was getting into this USC game. like I mean, this Alabama game. Like, hey, man, yeah, they got dudes, but I'm that guy now. And you hear guys on this team talk. And this was just another example of, you know, when you – a culture like this, you got to do what you can, everything that you can to sustain it. And someone said to me, I don't want to go too far off on this tangent. Someone said to me, you, you mentioned Kalen DeBoer. I, what I said is, I don't know what Jim's going to do. Like people, what do you think? This is not about lack of, um, lack of uh, aggression and trying to resign him. Like there's an offer on the table, not the 10 year, $125 million offer. That's false. That's a false report. Uh, I can't repeat that did not come from Michigan. Okay, let me just stress that. That offer didn't come from Michigan, nor did that story come from Michigan. The 10 years, 125 million. You can't go to the you can't go to the league in 2024. False, false, false. But somebody floated it, right? right. And so <laughs> the fact the fact that it was floated in, in NFL circles, that lends itself even more to me thinking you this is a thing that they got to get through and we'll see. We'll see what he wants to do. Uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't affect Michigan's chances to win the national championship. It, it affects their future beyond that. To me, I think they're going to have a lot of interest in the in, in the job. I think that Kalen DeBoer would be a national coach. That would be one. That would be, I think. Well, you can oh, well now you're late to the party, Sam. I was saying this when he was at Indiana, that this guy should be the coach of Michigan one day. But... And, and I would understand. Yeah. I think Kalen is great. I've talked to him before. I think he's a great dude. I've interviewed him before. I'm right there with you. I think Kalen is an outstanding coach. But for Michigan, this culture is so good that I think you got to do everything you can to maintain it, ideally with Jim. Like, I said, look, if Jim Harbaugh wants $12.5 million, Michigan to give him $12.5 million. That's how you, that's how I know this wasn't a thing. Like, you don't, you don't have to float that for Michigan to give you $12.5 million. You might have to float that for the NFL to give you $12.5 million, right? So, I, that, it, it's not a money thing or an aggression thing with Michigan. To me, what it boils down to is who will give him that level of control in the NFL if it gets to that. But let's not even, I'm not even, what, what I want to emphasize here is what he's built culture-wise. Yeah. You got to do whatever you can to maintain that. I, it's not my decision to make. I don't have any any say in the matter. You do everything you can to get Jim Harbaugh back. And if you can't get Jim Harbaugh to come back, you do everything you can to keep Jim Harbaugh's culture. Because mm-hmm. what he's built here is special. And <laughs> in the age of the portal, for him to have lost no starters to the portal, when all of these other teams are losing starters, in the mm-hmm. portal. What Jim Harbaugh has done here is special. And you got to try to maintain that. This is not, again, I have no say. I have no power. I'm just giving you my opinion on the matter. And I think that that culture is why, even with guys that are great coaches, like the one they're about to face, Kalen DeBoer is a great coach. I think you got to you gotta bypass that and you got to maintain Jim Harbaugh's culture at all costs. Well, you know, it's it's sort of ironic uh, that the sort of the national the national perception people hate Harbaugh. I mean, they I mean, that's the only explanation I have for for Tony Petiti uh, and, and, and for everything that's gone on gone on this year. 
because what's gone on here this year that's caused all the national furor is nothing. It's, you know, a hamburger or, you know, talking to a kid on Zoom during during uh, the dead period. I mean, it, you know, and then the so-called sign stealing thing, which was just nonsense beyond nonsense. And yet it's all a big deal. And it's because for whatever reason, people just don't like him from the outside. Yet somehow he's created this A plus level culture within within the program. I mean, you don't have players leaving. You don't have players you know, bad mouthing each other. You don't, I mean, Alabama, as I mentioned, you know, both centers are gone after one game. They're, they're out they're they're in the portal. Uh, that's not something that that's, that's gone on here at all. You have a guy like Trente, who is like a lot of us, Brian in particular, talking about how Trente should really be playing, not playing. And yet Trente's still here. That, that clip you showed was unbelievable. Uh, 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 you know, and his think thought process about it was was truly compelling. Well, I mean, does Michigan beat Penn State if they don't have the best six te- te- uh, six linemen in the country? No, because when that when Alabama no. could not pass protect and they had to change up what they're going to do, they had to go to something else and they had to go to putting the whole game on Jalen Milrow because that was what they that was the last piece that they had that could beat a guy one on one. That was the best way that they had to have a better player than the guys on the other side of them determining what's going on in the play. Michigan, when they got in that situation against Penn State, they put Trent A. Jones on the field and they say, we're going to run the ball with an extra lineman and we're going to see if your defense, if you can extend your line further and have more gaps because Trent A. Jones is going to be better than the guy across from him. And that's to have that guy be on your team is that culture. I want to talk about another play real quickly just to kind of show what this is about. The um, the Morris touchdown, the Tyler yeah. Morris touchdown, where he gets matched on a linebacker. Yeah. Saban recruits very quick linebackers. He gets five stars. He gets these guys who are, you know, they're, they're young. They don't, they, can't, they don't work as well in the system yet, but they are fast and they can make up for mistakes. And because of that, most receivers who are coming across the field, those guys can keep up with. And if you can cover that guy with a linebacker, you look like the smartest coach in the world, right? They get him out of bounds. If he doesn't have that little bit of space, that little bit of extra juice to get past that linebacker, you look like the smartest coach in the world because you just got away with some – you just had a linebacker cover a receiver, and you got away with it. And Saban gets away with it. That's what his team is built on. His team is built on the fact that they are more talented than the guys across from them so they can get away with more. And what they're so worried about with Michigan – and the reason why they have to freak out and make up all this stuff and go turn Signgate into a big scandal and turn Burgergate into a big scandal is because the way Michigan is building is not something that you can replicate at Alabama. It's not something you can replicate at Ohio State. No one else will be able to compete if it comes down to who can have the best program culture. No one else is going to be able to do this. Give me a real quick. Uh, I need you guys to give me some some early thoughts or some some thoughts on on Washington. What about you, uh, Craig, when you look at Washington, what do you see? Well, I mean, I think the homily is, and I think in this case it's right, this will be the best offense UMS, Michigan has played, and this will be the best defense that Washington has played. I mean, I think the, those two things are both true, and how that plays out is it, it, going to decide the game because I do think that Michigan will be able to move the ball against Washington. The Washington defense is – Average, I, I doubt if it's as good as Iowa. Uh, I know it's not as good as Penn State. I no. don't think it. I don't think it's as good as Ohio State. Uh, and you know, it's a very average at best defense. And so Michigan should. And I think Michigan will be able to run and pass against that defense. The the question is how how much can you keep uh, Washington on the sidelines and 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 the the two strong forces colliding how that you know how does that play out the washington offensive line is really good they won the joe moore award but the michigan defensive line in my opinion is the best defensive line in the country and and so that uh that's it you know my numbers which have been actually right every game since the sixth game of the season the, if, if people have been listening i've been within a point or two every single game 
and it's a simple algorithm, but it has Michigan at three and a half points better. Okay. I think the national line is four and a half. I think, you know, I think that's where I'm sitting on this game in the big picture. Seth? Yeah, Michael Penix has to have the game of his life again because he had one of the greatest games by a quarterback in the playoffs. It's right That game against Texas is right up there. And Roma Dunze was fantastic in that game. They had so many guys step up on offense to be able to beat Texas because Texas was just as good as they were. And Michigan, I think, is going to be a buzzsaw for them. I, I it's, They are – Michigan spent all season practicing for Ohio State. They spent all 22 practicing for Ohio State. They spent all 2021 practicing for Ohio State. Michigan has a pro defense, and it's not like you can just figure out what they're doing because they can do a lot of different things, and they're going to surprise you because that's what you do in the pros. Everyone knows each other. Everyone knows what each other are going to run. They've they, they seen it all already. You're not going to surprise each other. You have to do it mid-play. You have to be in the wrong spot mid-play, for the, and he's going to have a huge challenge. If I was Washington, this is not the team that I w- I'd want to face, but I got to go back to Kalen DeBoer. He is a fantastic coach. He has a fantastic culture. Watch out. These Michigans and Washingtons, if you don't do something, Saban, these are the teams that are going to be beating you every year. Yep. Great stuff as always, guys. Uh, appreciate you. We got much more coming. We're going to do an episode of Dropping Dines today at noon, so be on the lookout for that. Doing uh, Be here tomorrow. Iris flying. It'll be Miz and I. And then after Miz and I, Al has watched the entire Washington season. Vance has watched oh, really? Vance has watched six or seven games of the Washington season. We will do a preview, Washington previews tomorrow at noon and at 2 Eastern, live from Houston. So be on the lookout for that as well. Until then, thanks for watching another edition of the Michigan Insider MGO Blog Roundtable here on Sports Talk 1050 WTK The Ticket, the official voice of the University of Michigan.